Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the Alaskan Pacific white-sided dolphin doing tricks next to me is Ellen. I better get treats for this. Um, here's some chocolate. Excellent. <laughs> Let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 8, the hearing and the corresponding film scenes. Amelia Bones makes a monocle more badass than it has any right to be. Fudge enjoys being the interrupting cow way more than a grown man should. Harry rides the roller coaster of emotion as he endures what has to be the shittiest kangaroo court in history. Mrs. Fig may not have been the best witness, but she definitely was the cutest. And Michael Gambon once again missed the memo on the definition of calmly. During episode 130, How Now Interrupting Cow, our Potter pondering was... How do you think Dumbledore knew the time and place of the hearing had changed? Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. How did Dumbledore know they fucked with that boy court date? Well, let me tell you, got a couple of theories right here. First one, Dumbledore knows everything. Him smart. He old. He smart. He that boy. He know. Omniscient. He been new. Okay, I don't know what tool he used to know, but it's probably his big old brain. Him smart. Second, he may be keeping tabs on Privet Drive even when Harry's not there, especially during the summertime when oh, everybody think Harry there. He probably knew they got that owl with that dumbass news. Okay, and third of all, which is probably the first one that came to my head, is that Dumbledore knew that the ministry was on some fuck shit. This whole situation is fuck shit. He was there three hours early because he knew y'all be with the shits this year. He knew. Like, y'all can't play the player, all right? He knew y'all was doing some stupid shit when y'all let them the mentors out down the street from Privet Drive. Quit playing with my boy. Can't sleep on Dumbly. G'day, Ellen and Katie. Jackson here with this week's pondering. How did Dumbledore know the time and date had changed? I honestly think it's a pretty simple answer. You know, he has his people in the ministry, order members. One of them probably simply told him. Like, I think that he was at the ministry three hours early because he knew they would try to pull something like this. And... You know, he had his well-placed spies, like Kingsley, who was likely the one who told him. Yeah, that's my pondering. Hello, my name is Kendra. I'm calling in about the Potter pondering. I'm not a completely new listener, but I finally caught up, so I'm so excited that I get a call in. So the question is, how do you think the Dumbledore knew the time and place of the hearing had changed? And I don't know if this is like a big fan theory or if it's been confirmed at all, but I've always gotten the idea that Dumbledore could tell the future. Like he was a seer to some degree. And I don't know if I got that from the most recent Fantastic Beast movies or where I've gotten that idea, but I definitely feel like he actually knows more than just what's happening around him and he can see into the future. So honestly, I think the answer is just magic. Thank you so much for your responses. I'm really loving these so much. I love our keepers. (laughs) They are my favorite people. Our trivia question last week was, which clause of the decree states that magic may be used before muggles in exceptional circumstances? Fudge tries to say that the trial is not about Dementors, and Dumbledore points out that the presence of the Dementors is highly relevant, since Clause 7 of the decree states that magic may be used before muggles in exceptional circumstances. And as those circumstances include situations that threaten the life of the wizard or witch himself, or witches, wizards, or muggles present at the time. So, Clause 7. Congratulations goes to Sarah Baines Miller! Woohoo! 
this isn't the first time that she's won. Mm-mm. I think there's been one other time. Yeah, there's been one or two, sure. Yeah, but it's been a minute, so it's it super exciting to see a new name up in a while. Makes me wonder who's going to get it this week. I don't know. We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 8, The Hearing and the Corresponding Film Scenes. Chapter 8, The Hearing, Part 2. The minister dismisses Mrs. Fig and then loftily announces that she wasn't a very convincing witness. Madame Bones contradicts him, saying she described the effects of a Dementor attack very accurately and that she can't imagine why she would have said they were there if they weren't. Fudge counters that the odds of a Dementor happening upon a wizard in a muggle suburb are something even Bagman wouldn't bet on, and Dumbledore speaks up to lightly point out that he doesn't think any of them believed the Dementors were there by coincidence. The Witch in the Shadows to Fudge's right shifts slightly, but everyone else falls still and silent as Fudge icily asks what that is supposed to mean. Dumbledore clarifies that he means they were ordered there, and Fudge barks back that they'd have it on record if someone ordered Dementors to go strolling through Little Whinging. Dumbledore calmly reminds Cornelius that he's already given him his views on the matter that the Dementors may be taking orders from someone other than the Ministry of Magic. But Fudge refuses to believe that his views are valid, since the Dementors remain at Azkaban and are doing everything they ask of them. Dumbledore quietly replies that if that is the case, then they must ask themselves why someone at the Ministry would send a pair of them into that alleyway on the 2nd of August. At these words, the witch to the right of Fudge leans out of the shadows for the first time, and Harry sees a woman that looks like a large, pale toad, with a broad, flabby face, very little neck, a wide, slack mouth, and large, slightly bulging round eyes. Fudge announces that the chair recognizes Dolores Jane Umbridge, senior undersecretary to the minister, and the witch begins speaking in a fluttery, girlish, high-pitched voice. She simpers that she must have misheard Dumbledore, because it sounded like he was suggesting that the Ministry of Magic ordered an attack on the boy. She punctuates her comment with a silvery laugh that makes the hairs on the back of Harry's neck stand up. The headmaster reasons that if it is true that the Dementors are taking orders only from the Ministry, and true that two attacked Harry and his cousin, then it logically follows that someone at the Ministry ordered the attacks. He again tries to point out that these two Dementors could be outside the Ministry control, but Fudge won't hear it. Dumbledore inclines his head and says that the Ministry will undoubtedly be making a full inquiry into why two Dementors were so very far from Azkaban and why they attacked without authorization. Fudge is beginning to turn a shade of magenta as he snaps that it isn't up to Dumbledore to decide what the Ministry of Magic does or does not do, and the Headmaster again calmly responds, saying that it isn't. He was merely expressing his confidence that this matter will not go uninvestigated. As Dumbledore glances at Madame Bones, Fudge reminds the Wizengamot that the behavior of the Dementors, if they aren't just a figment of the boy's imagination, is not the subject of the hearing. They are there to examine Harry Potter's offenses under the decree for the reasonable restriction of underage sorcery. Dumbledore agrees, but points out that the presence of the Dementors is highly relevant, since Clause 7 of the decree states that magic may be used before muggles in exceptional circumstances. And as those circumstances include situations that threaten the life of the witch or wizard himself, or witches, wizards, or muggles present at the time. Fudge snarls at Dumbledore that they are familiar with Clause 7, and the headmaster responds courteously, agreeing that they are and stating that they then must be in agreement that Harry's use of the Patronus charm in these circumstances falls precisely into the category of exceptional circumstances. Again, Fudge cuts him off to express that he doubts there were Dementors, but this time Dumbledore interrupts him back, reminding him that they heard from an eyewitness and if he still doubts her truthfulness, he can call her back to be questioned again. A very blustery fudge insists that he wants this over today, and Dumbledore tells him that naturally he would not care how many times he heard from a witness if the alternative was a serious miscarriage of justice. 
At this point, Fudge completely loses any remaining cool and begins bellowing about it not being a serious miscarriage, bringing up all the cock and bull stories the boy has come out with to cover his flagrant misuse of magic outside of school. He mentions the hover charm from three years ago, and Harry speaks up to say that it wasn't him that was a house elf. Fudge, still roaring, tries to use that as an example of Harry's ridiculous stories, but Dumbledore simply informs him that the house elf in question is currently in the employ of Hogwarts School and can be summoned in an instant. Fudge has no desire to spend time listening to a house elf and instead changes the subject, shouting about how Harry blew up his aunt. Still calm, Dumbledore reminds him that he very kindly did not press charges on that occasion, accepting that even the best wizards cannot always control their emotions. Ignoring this statement, the minister instead begins to rant about the stuff Harry gets up to at school, and Dumbledore politely but coolly cuts him off to tell him that the ministry has no authority to punish Hogwarts students for misdemeanors at school, making Harry's behavior there irrelevant. Fudge is geared up to argue this fact, and Dumbledore reminds him that the Ministry does not have the power to expel Hogwarts students or confiscate wands until charges have been successfully proven, pointedly adding on that in his admirable haste to ensure the law is upheld, he seems to have inadvertently overlooked a few laws himself. Fudge insists that laws can be changed, and Dumbledore agrees, mentioning how he's already made quite a few changes, including holding a full criminal trial to deal with a simple matter of underage magic. This makes a few of the members shift uncomfortably in their seats, and Fudge turn a deeper shade of puce. The toad-like witch just gazes at Dumbledore as he continues to say that as far as he is aware, there is no law yet in place that says the court's job is to punish Harry for every bit of magic that he has ever performed. He has been charged with a specific offense, and he has presented his defense. All they can do now is await the verdict. He puts his fingertips together and gazes at an incensed fudge who glares back. Harry glances at Dumbledore looking for reassurance since he isn't sure that it is the right time for the Wizengamot to make a decision. He expected the hearing to last a lot longer than it has and is worried he didn't make a good impression. He barely said anything and should have explained more fully about the Dementors, about how he fell over and both he and Dudley had nearly been kissed. On top of that, Dumbledore seems oblivious to Harry trying to catch his eye, and he's so concerned it feels as though his heart has swollen, constricting his airways. The members of the Wizengamot whisper to each other for a while, and when they stop, Madame Bones' voice booms out to ask who is in favor of clearing the accused of all charges. Harry looks up as many hands go up in the air, possibly even more than half. He tries to count, but before he can finish, Madame Bones asks who is in favor of conviction. Only about half a dozen hands go up and Fudge looks around before stating in a distorted voice that Harry is cleared of all charges. Dumbledore stands as he says excellent, banishes the two chintz armchairs, and sweeps out, wishing everyone a good day without even looking at Harry once. In the movie scene, Fudge addresses the Wizengamot again, pointing out that Dementors don't just enter the Muggle world and happen upon a wizard, saying that the odds are astronomical. But Dumbledore declares that he doesn't think anyone believes the Dementors were there by coincidence. Before he can go on, a witch clears her throat and the camera shifts focus to a woman in black robes with a pink collar sticking out from the top of them. She sweetly says that she is sure she must have misunderstood him since Dementors are under the control of the Ministry of Magic. She says it is silly of her, but it sounded for a moment like he was suggesting that the Ministry ordered the attack on the boy. Dumbledore addresses her as Madam Undersecretary and says that is disturbing indeed, which is why he is sure that the Ministry will be launching a full-scale inquiry as to why the two Dementors were so very far from Azkaban and mounted an attack without authorization. He then turns his attention to the Minister and says that there is someone who might be behind the attack. As Fudge continues to stare at the Headmaster suspiciously, Dumbledore steps forward and quietly implores him to see reason saying that the evidence the Dark Lord has returned is incontrovertible. Fudge desperately declares that he is not back, and Dumbledore looks disappointed before stepping back and returning the topic to Harry Potter. 
He points out that the law clearly states that magic may be used before muggles in life-threatening situations. Fudge snarls that the laws can be changed if necessary, and Dumbledore shoots back that that is clear, since it has become practice to hold a full criminal trial to deal with the simple matter of underage magic. Several members of the Wizengamot glance awkwardly at one another at those words, and Dumbledore spreads out his hands, gesturing for them to continue. The witch who asked about the Dementors being in Little Whinging again speaks up, asking who is in favor of conviction. Harry looks around nervously as the Wizengamot sit in silence, and several members, starting with the minister, raise their hands. She then asks for those in favor of clearing the accused of all charges, and the vast majority raise their hands, including herself and Mrs. Fig. Harry looks around again, this time relieved, and Fudge disappointedly says, cleared of all charges, and bangs his gavel. Harry smiles and stands to greet Dumbledore, but the headmaster doesn't even look in his direction as he sweeps past him and out of the courtroom, leaving Harry behind, looking both relieved and hurt. So as this is just the second half of the chapter we started last week, we're still looking at film scenes that stay pretty close to what's happening in the book, but Mm -hmm. also there's a lot of missing details. A ton, yes. As per usual. Yeah, we should be used to it by now. But this half of the chapter picks up right after Mrs. Fig finishes her testimony. Sweet little Mrs. Fig. (laughs) I love her. (laughs) And then Corny Fudge is kind of a dick and just dismisses her. I like to believe that he waited until she was out of the room before he was like, not a very convincing witness. (laughs) Yeah, that's not Fudge's way, though. (laughs) I just I don't like to think about him hurting sweet little Mrs. Fig like that. That's just a dick move. He's a dick. Yeah. At least Madame Bones is on her side. Yeah. And she's just like, I don't know, man. That was pretty accurate for how she described a Dementor attack. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, why would she say Dementors were there if they weren't there? Why is this little old lady going to come into Our the courtroom court yeah. and be like, Dementors, Dementors and Little Whinging? Yeah, it was a thing. They're Psych. Dementors. No, I mean, like, come on. Come on, dude. You're reaching here. You're reaching. Again, why else would somebody... Conjure a friggin' full-fledged Patronus randomly. Yeah, seriously. (sighs) But like I said, Fudge is reaching. So he's just like, but what are the odds of a Dementor happening upon a wizard in a muggle suburb? It's something Bagman wouldn't even bet on. I I do kind of like that line. Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) The odds are so great. Even Bagman wouldn't bet on it. He might still. It is Bagman. He has a problem. So there's that. But then we have... That awesome moment of Dumbledore just being like, oh, I don't think anybody here believes the Dementors were there by coincidence. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, you're taking this the wrong way. <laughs> like, really? This is the way you're going to go? Yeah, okay. exactly. Sure mm-hmm. thing, man. <laughs> the movie stuck pretty close to the book here, which, thank God. Right? Oh, I might have lost my mind had they tried to cut this little sass out. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, so yay. Fudge tries to explain the whole thing away by saying Dementors don't just wander around and happen to find a wizard to attack amongst the muggles. Like, it just doesn't happen, of course. No, doesn't happen. Surely not. But Dumbledore points out that literally no one said that's what happened. Because the odds are much better that this wasn't just a coincidence like that. Yeah, so spot on to the book here. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Although, it is a little bit annoying that movie Fudge wasn't as much of a dick. Yeah. Like, he was a dick. He was a dick, but not as much of. Mm-hmm. There was just no denying it in the book that Fudge was trying to stack this against Harry, and I don't think the movie captured that as fully. Yeah, like, he was trying to explain things away, but at the same time, he wasn't trying hard enough No, in the movie. Do you know what I mean? He was just like, oh, well, you proved my point wrong, so I'm just going to shut up now. Whereas Book Fudge is like, but, but, uh, but, uh, uh, what, but, insert shit here. Yeah. Basically. Movie Fudge just kind of laid down and died. Yeah. That was sad. Yeah. Roll over. <laughs> In the book, when Dumbledore makes this comment about it not being a coincidence, that witch to Fudge's right that's back in the shadow and still hasn't been clearly seen yet mm-hmm. kind of shifts. Yeah. And that's like the only motion because at this point, everybody else just like plays freeze tag. Yeah. (laughs) It's like red light, green light, and they just turned on the red light, and everybody's just like, coincidence? They are now weeping angels. Yeah. And Harry is looking at them. Don't blink. Mm -hmm. And Fudge is just like, what's that supposed to mean? 
Like, he doesn't already know. Mm-hmm. Because even Dumbledore's just like, um, we've already talked about this. Yeah. You know damn well what we're you talking about, You know exactly guy. what I mean. I mean, somebody ordered the Dementors there, and Fudge is just like, nobody would have ordered them there. We have records. Yeah. And he's just like, or somebody else outside of the ministry ordered them there. Mm-hmm. Hint, motherfucking hint. But again, Fudge is just completely like, nope, that's not possible. Mm-mm. The Dementors are at Azkaban. They're doing everything we ask them. There's no way. There's no way they're outside our control. There's no way. No way. Not even a dicky bird's chance in hell. Me don't think he protests too much. A little bit. But then Dumbledore's just like, well, if that's the case, mm-hmm. we got to ask ourselves why somebody from the ministry sent these Dementors. Oh, my goodness. Now you're turning it around? What? And this is what finally goads that witch in the shadows to actually lean forward and speak. Mm-hmm. So we know that she was clearly affected by what he was saying, but this is what really gets her going. Yeah. And this is when we really get a good first impression of her. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but I kind of get the feeling that we're not supposed to like this woman. There is something amiss about her. Yes. She's described as looking like a large, pale toad with a broad, flabby face, very little neck, a wide, slack mouth, and large, slightly bulging round eyes. If you've ever heard the Harry and the Potter song about Dolores Umbridge... And the refrain is, oh my God, you look like a frog. Oh my God, you look like a frog. And it's the only thing I think every time she talks. It's fair. (laughs) Because of this description. It's just so perfect. Fudge is like, the chair recognizes Dolores Jane Umbridge Sr. Undersecretary to the minister. And allows this woman to start talking. And again, we're on with the, we are clearly not supposed to like this woman. Mm -hmm. Because she starts speaking in this fluttery, girlish, high-pitched voice. And Harry's just like, what the fuck? I thought she'd croak. (laughs) (laughs) It's like sickly sweet. Yeah. And she just like simpers everything that she says. And she's just like, oh, silly me. Oh, gosh. I'm just such an airhead. Oh. I must have misheard you, Mm -hmm. Professor, because it sounds like you were suggesting the Ministry of Magic ordered an attack on this boy. And then she gives this silvery little laugh as like a period to what she said. And Harry literally feels the hairs on the back of his neck stand up. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Mine just did. That's for sure. It's just ew. It's so much ew. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're just left with zero doubt in your mind that this woman is not a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did we know at this point how much of a bad thing she was going to become? No, but we'll get there. I mean, that could be said about a lot of politicians. (laughs) (laughs) True story. She speaks in the movie, too, but she isn't specifically recognized. So we don't know her name yet. Yeah, and she's not directly to Fudge's right mm-hmm. either. So it's not... It's another Amelia Bones issue where she's just kind of scattered in there. Yeah, so it doesn't give her the same level of importance that the book did, mm-hmm. which I am a little bit disappointed about. Yeah, Dumbledore calls her Madam Undersecretary, but I mean, we don't know what the hell that means. No. That's a nothing sentence to us at this point in time. Yeah. But yeah, we just suddenly hear this... <laughs> and... Oh, my God. It's just a noise that could make you punch a kitten. No offense to every kitten in the world, because they don't deserve that. But it's just that it kills you. It's so bad. It really kills you. And the more you get to know this character, the worse it gets. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because now we're going to actually see her. (laughs) And what we see is a stout, cunt-faced woman with her pink collar and gaudy-ass brooch sticking out of her robes. And I'm sorry, you don't stick your collar out of your robes. You just don't do it. First off, it looks stupid as hell. Second off, why? She does. I guess. She had to have something showing that was sickly sweet, aside from her voice. I would say her cunt face. (laughs) And her cunt face. No, her face is not sweet. No, not at all. I will say that she didn't look very toad-like, but... Imelda Staunton is actually like a really pretty actress. And right. I don't know that they could have made her look toad like enough. She's gorgeous. Considering that everything else was so spot on and we'll end up talking more about this later. 
I thought I can forgive her for not looking like a toad. Right. I kind of thought Aunt Marge in Prisoner of Azkaban looked more yeah. like a toad. I thought comparatively, but I don't think she could have pulled off that sickly sweet in the no. same fashion, though. No, not at all. And Imelda Stone fucking brings it. Oh, she nailed the shit out of everything. Mm-hmm. But she says in that sickly sweet voice that is enough to just make you fucking nauseous. Yeah. Like, ugh. it's just so gross and over the top. And it just makes you think like she's trying to make you think she's an idiot, basically. Oh, yeah. She's totally playing the innocent. Yeah. Oh. Oh, golly me. Like, I'm going to call you out on this, but I'm going to make it look like it's my fault because I'm actually not very good at manipulating people. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. That was on point. That's what I heard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But she says it sounds like it's being suggested that the ministry set these Dementors loose specifically to attack Harry. And that's just so crazy. That's (laughs) cray cray. (laughs) In the hey hey. (laughs) And this is where Dumbledore calls her Madam Undersecretary. But again, we all know he's got a completely different name for her in his head. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> we Cunt all do. face might be one of them. <laughs> but he goes on to say, yeah, that, that is crazy. Cra- crazy as shit, in fact. And of course, that's why he knows that the Ministry will be doing a full investigation as to what the fuck the Dementors were doing out there and who sent them. Right? Right. Right? You guys are going to do that, right? Right. Right. That's the only next logical option. And ding, because this is basically how the book had it, although Mm -hmm. obviously with more detail. Well, yes. The headmaster's just like, well, if it's true that the Dementors are only taking orders from the Ministry, and it's true that two of them attacked Harry and Dudley, clearly someone here had to have ordered those attacks. Two and two makes four, right? Two plus two is four. (laughs) He then again tries to point out that, but like I said, these Dementors, these two, even if it's just these two, Mm -hmm. might be outside ministry control fudge. They just might. Yeah. That's another option. But guess who doesn't want to hear that one? Uh, hmm. Who has been against it from the start? Oh, fudge. Hmm. Right in one. (laughs) I'm so good at this. (laughs) Yeah, in the movie, Dumbledore directly is like, of course, of course we could cut out all the hours of manpower and overtime and just cut to the damn chase because it's really pretty obvious who could have done all this, you know, right? Coming with me? Name starts with a V and ends with an Oldemort, (laughs) right? And Fudge continues to just stare stupidly as Dumbledore quietly pleads with the dumbass to see reason. Like, implores him even. I implore you to see reason. I implore you to see reason. You don't don't say that to... It's so dramatic, though. Like, that is not what Dumbledore would say. I'm sorry. It is. He's so calm in the book. The Mm -hmm. whole time. Yeah. I implore you to see reason. I'm like, no. No. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) Yeah, in the movie, he's just like, dude, Voldy's back, and you're an asshat. Simple as that. But with way more flowery language, as we said. Yes. <laughs> but Fudge takes this moment to just stick his fingers in his ears and go, la, 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 I can't hear you. La, 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 I can't hear you. And- what? I'm sorry? What? No, I can't hear you. I, I, I can't hear you over the fingers in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> can't hear you. I got a banana in my ear. And Dumbledore just gives up for the moment because he, there's, uh, I feel like that is what Dumbledore's thoughts were right there. Yeah. uh, I mean, why am I bothering? But okay, we'll keep going. So he brings the topic back to Harry. Yeah. And this is different from the book because book Dumbledore is being a bit more subtle about it. Mm -hmm. He's not blatantly being like, dude, Voldemort's back. Mm -hmm. Okay, but who are we kidding? Book Dumbledore is just overall more subtle. Yeah. So I can't really just say in this part. Yeah. Just overall. In general. He's a much more subtle character and just calmer, quieter, unimposing, unless he needs to be. Yeah. He wields it when he needs to. He does not overuse it. I kind of feel like that's the difference between book and movie Dumbledore. Well, one of them. (laughs) There are many. Yeah. But book Dumbledore 
just says what he says and leaves it at that. And you know exactly what he means. You know it. There's, yeah. there's no getting around it. Whereas movie Dumbledore says what he says and he would leave it at that, but he's busy poking you with a stick. While he's saying it? While he's saying it to be like, this is a thing. Thing. Poke. Pay poke. attention to Hello. me. Poke. Sticking yeah. your fingers in yours isn't going to help you this time. And it just doesn't. No. No, it doesn't no. follow. Because when Fudge, who in the book is adamantly against what Dumbledore is saying too, and he's saying the same things. Like, it's not different. It's just how he's doing it. Because in response to Fudge being like, la, 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 I can't hear you, Dumbledore just basically bows his head and simply says, well, then the ministry will undoubtedly be making a full inquiry into why two Dementors were so very far from Azkaban and why they attacked without authorization. It's a very calm statement. Measured. Even. Yeah. It's very measured and very weighted. So it's a ding, but it's so different at the same time. Yeah. It's almost an afterthought in the book. Do you know what I mean? Where he's almost like, oh, well, if that's the case, I'm sure the ministry wouldn't mind going ahead and launching a full investigation to make sure this is a this is a thing. Whereas in the movie, he's like, yeah, and I'm pretty sure you guys should do an investigation because this is some bullshit. Well, like I said, it's a much more subtle thing. Yeah. In the movie, he seemed like he was ordering him to do it. Mm -hmm. In the book, he was saying it as a manipulative tool to point yes. out that you need to do this. If this yeah. is what you're claiming, this needs to happen. But I'm going to do this in a way where I'm not actually telling you what you should do. I'm going to do this in a very subtle way where I am just implying that I believe you will do this because it's the right thing to do and you should yeah. do the right fucking thing. Mm-hmm. He said calmly. He said calmly. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's a ding, but it's not. Yeah. It just felt so different. The words are a ding. Everything else is... A dong. <laughs> Anti-ding. I do love that the book describes Fudge as turning a shade of magenta. <laughs> My car is actually magenta, so I can just picture it <laughs> perfectly on Fudge's face. And I also, like, I know he's not wearing the lime green bowler hat, but can you just imagine how good those two would look next to one another? I mean, that's a color combination that you just go with no matter what. Right? I'm saying. I'm so... So upset that we were built out of this. Mm -hmm. I agree. It should have happened. I know that he wasn't wearing the bowler hat in this scene anyway, even in the book. But I needed to see it, right? It wouldn't have made up for everything, but it would have been a damn nice first step, guys. It would have helped. Mm -hmm. It's like the sugar to help the medicine go down. Because exactly. everything's better with sugar. It is. But anyway, turns a shade of magenta and basically starts losing his cool. Mm-hmm. This is when it really starts and he just completely snaps at Dumbledore that it's not up to him what the Ministry of Magic does. Yeah. Little teapot's whistling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, because calmly, <laughs> Dumbledore's just like, oh, I wasn't saying that it was, just merely expressing my confidence that this matter will not go uninvestigated like we were saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's just being super subtle. Yeah. We know exactly what he's doing. He's doing what he was doing in the movie. He was just doing it subtly. Yeah. He was planting the seed into everyone else's mind more than he was just saying it to Fudge. And then watering it a little bit. Yeah. In the movie, he just shoved the seed right up everyone's nose. I was going to say ass, but yeah. <laughs> Not enough sun down there. Talk about manscaping. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> moving on from that visual. <laughs> because Fudge has to regain control of this whole situation in some fashion, he's like, attention, Wizengamot, you must remember that this is not about the behavior of Dementors if they're not just a figment of the boy's imagination. Mm -hmm. Because, ew. He sounds so wonderfully impartial, doesn't he? Just looking for the facts. And... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say yeah? I meant no. <laughs> no, he does not sound impartial. <laughs> I feel like it's the Wizarding World equivalent of, of saying, that will be stricken from the record. Right. Uh, uh, you will forget that ever happened. <laughs> not about the behavior of the Dementors, if they're not just a figment of the boy's imagination. Because that's not the subject of the hearing. This no. is about the bad shit Potter did. This is the fact that Potter's the enemy and... We must defeat the enemy. Nothing else matters. Yeah. 
that's just all there is to it. Potter's the one who is fucking everything up right now, so we need to fuck him up. Exactly. that's what we're going to do. Because I don't care that he's a 15-year-old boy, and really this is an offense that we have forgiven from when he's done it worse in the past. I will quietly state... Oh, come now, Harry. People don't get sent to Azkaban for blowing up their aunts. Yeah. You didn't care when he did it then. And we're going to get to that, too, because he tries to bring that up. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Dumbledore's just like, yes, we are here about what Harry is accused of. But the presence of Dementors is super relevant. Mm-hmm. Because Clause 7 of the decree states that magic may be used before muggles in exceptional circumstances. And as those circumstances include situations that threaten the life of the witch or wizard himself, or witches, wizards, or muggles present at the time, Harry was allowed to do this shit. Ipso facto, so on and so forth. And P.S. That was our trivia question. It sure was. (laughs) But Fudge just has control issues. A little bit. So instead of just being like, yeah, you're right. He's like, we're all familiar with Clause 7. You don't have to tell <laughs> us our jobs. And Dumbledore's just like, oh, of course you are. So we must be in agreement mm-hmm. that Harry's use of the Patronus charm falls precisely into the category of exceptional circumstances. Directly in that purview. Just right? right there. You know Clause 7. It says this. Harry and his cousin were being attacked by Dementors. He had to do that magic to protect him and his cousin. Therefore, here's the exception. Harry didn't do anything wrong. Can we all go the fuck home now? Right? (laughs) This is another part that basically happened in the movie, but with less detail. What? Why? Why would we get detail? We don't even get a clause number or the specification of the decree. Dumbledore just points out that this was obviously self-defense and therefore he didn't break any laws. But Fudge doubles down on being a twat and barks out that laws can be changed if necessary. Which, okay bro, let's not admit to your intense bias against this kid in front of all these witnesses. Just saying. Yeah. That's actually a line directly from the book too, but it streams out more dialogue. So we'll get to that. It's just such a fucked up weird thing to say in that moment. Yeah. But Dumbledore simply shoots back that this is obvious since we're playing a huge game of fuck over the 15-year-old from all angles here, when this all started as a simple issue of underage magic. This is also directly from the book, but again, it streams out a lot more dialogue, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more focus on Fudge's doubts that there even were Dementors. So it makes more sense in the book. I feel like it's a little out of place at this point in the movie. Yeah, the movie really only had the one doubtful comment where Fudge was pointing out that Dementors don't just enter the muggle world and happen upon a wizard, yada, 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 yada. But it seemed like once Fig came out and did her spiel that Fudge almost knew at that point, like, oh, okay, well, let's get at this from a different angle now. Yeah. You know, that's almost what it felt like where he was like, oh, shit, change tactic. Because he didn't really bring it up again. Yeah, it was kind of, that was it. And it wasn't it in the book. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the book definitely has more about him trying to disprove the presence of Dementors or the importance of their presence. Just, Corny Fudge was just a dog with a bone and he couldn't fucking bury it. Yeah. Like he just, every time somebody got close to him, he ran away with the bone again. Like he did not want to let it go. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, no, this is this is absolute. This is it. This is how we're doing it. And and eh, fuck your logic. Yeah, fuck your logic. <laughs> I don't want any of your logic. I'm just going to take more titles away from you. Yeah. How do you like to not have Brian in your name anymore? <laughs> <laughs> this time, Dumbledore actually cuts him off, though. Mm-hmm. He's still very calm about it, though. Fudge is trying to say that... He doubts that there were Dementors and Dumbledore's just like, you literally just heard from an eyewitness who saw the Dementors with her own very eyes. Mm -hmm. You just questioned her and dismissed her. If you doubt her truthfulness, bring her back. Ask her more questions. Yeah. You're going to see. If you doubt the person who actually saw it, assuage your doubts. Talk to her again. Mm hmm. And Fudge is just like, I want this over today. Really? We didn't want it at all. Right. So this could have been a very simple meeting with Harry and Madam Bones in her office. Yeah. 
You made it a whole big affair. This is all your fault. Yeah. But anyway, Dumbledore, and I know without a doubt that he's delivering his lines this calmly simply because of how much it's infuriating fudge. Oh, he's loving it. It's amazing. But it really served its purpose because Dumbledore is just like, well, naturally, you wouldn't care how many times you heard from a witness if the alternative was a serious miscarriage of justice. (laughs) And Fudge is like, serious miscarriage of justice, my hat. (laughs) I mean, he is just losing it. He has zero control over his emotions at this point. And obviously, he realizes on some level in all of his insanity that he's not going to win it with the Dementor. Mm-hmm. angle so he tries to move on to all of the other cock and bull stories the boy has come out with to cover his flagrant misuse of magic outside of school but he's using that word flagrant misuse like he's deliberately choosing language to make harry look bad in front of the wizengamot mm-hmm. yeah like he has this paintbrush and he's trying to paint the ugliest picture of harry that he possibly can even if it is inaccurate He doesn't care about actual truth. There's no way. No, not even a little bit. And what's so beautiful about this is the way that Dumbledore is speaking to him and causing him to become more and more unhinged Mm -hmm. is making that so apparent to everyone who's witnessing this. It's almost like a weird form of gaslighting. (laughs) I think it is. I think it is. But you know what? He deserves it. (laughs) Especially in our patron group chat, we've had this conversation multiple times because... We are split on feelings for Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that I love him. Yes. Book Dumbledore. Book Dumbledore specifically. But I still won't deny that he is not manipulative. Like, I think he can be manipulative. I just don't think it's to the same level that other people want to paint it. I don't think that he's some malicious villain like a lot of people want to see him that's just trying to get everything to work out the way that he wants it to. I think Mm -hmm. that he's just literally willing to sacrifice whatever he has to for the greater good. The greater good. And I think for the most part, especially to the people on his side, they trust him. And they don't need the full story. He doesn't manipulate the people on his side. He tells them what they need to know. And because they trust him and are willing to do it, they do it. It's not a manipulation, I don't think. Okay. I think they're fully aware that they don't have the full story. I agree with you. I don't know. I don't have super strong feelings about Dumbledore either way. That's why I usually don't get into the conversations. I'm almost more of the peacemaker where I'm like, yeah, I can see your point. Yeah. Yeah, I can see your point too. I'm very wishy-washy about it. I totally get exactly what you're saying. And I also think that there are times where I really don't like Dumbledore. Well, and I think that even he is willing to admit that he makes mistakes. Yeah. And he knows that he has. He knows that he does. And I think that none of his mistakes were ever malicious. And I can get behind that. However, in this particular situation, Fudge is not on his side. Mm -mm. And he is going to bring out the big guns. Yeah. It's kind of showing you he can use these mental weapons that he has. He can use them in a heartbeat. He could do everything that Voldemort does, essentially, with his manipulation and, the and with thing his that makes all him that. pure of heart. But is he does the fact that he won't. Mm-hmm. Even when he has to do something that he would rather not do, he only ever does it for the greater good. Yeah. So, yes, he is being very manipulative here, but I also think that he needs to be. Yeah. He needs to be to get the outcome that Harry deserves. Mm hmm. Because this is so stacked against him in the most unfair way possible. Dumbledore has to play that game too. Yeah. Gloves are off. Gloves are off. Definitely. And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to say that Dumbledore is perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that he didn't make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I think that he's human and I think that's what makes him so interesting to me. Yeah. And I can see that. It's just I go back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) This could absolutely be a Potterheads a History episode in itself, so it's probably going to end up happening because especially after seeing Jude Law's Dumbledore, who somebody finally gets Dumbledore too. Yeah. We just recently saw that movie, and after this, we're going to be recording our reaction to it. So, Mm -hmm. woohoo. 
So if you want to listen in on our opinion of Secrets of Dumbledore, go ahead and find us on Patreon. Yep. We're there 24-7 for your entertainment. And by 24-7, she means there are recordings. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. That's... I'm not... We actually sleep. Yeah. Anyway, way off topic. But we're here talking about Dumbledore and Fudge and this... I mean, they're basically going toe-to-toe at this They're buttonheads, for sure. And I would say that Fudge started it by trying to make Dumbledore miss the trial completely because you know that's why he changed it. I mean, Fudge started it by having a trial to begin with. There's that, too. But yes. But he changed the time of the trial. I mean, yes, it was to hopefully make Harry late and make him look bad, but it was in the hopes that Dumbledore missed it entirely because that was going to be the only thing that would work in Harry's favor. Mm -hmm. And Dumbledore knows that, too. So he's just like, all right, like you said, gloves are off. And the yeah. two of them are just like head to head. And Dumbledore's not pulling his punches at this point. No. As well, he shouldn't because you know what? Fudge is trying to use all his dirty tactics that he can. Yeah. Which most don't even make sense. If not we're being even a honest. little bit. I would go as far to say that Dumbledore is merely just pointing out Fudge's stupidity for the most part. Yes. I don't even think this is peak Dumbledore. They're oh, not even toe-to-toe. No, to toe. remotely. Do you know what I mean? They're not even... It's more like Fudge has just completely launched himself at a reflection of Dumbledore. Yes. <laughs> and Dumbledore's in the mirror like, you're losing your shit. Yeah. And this is why. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to poke at that <laughs> to make you keep losing your shit. Yeah. Because then people are going to realize I'm the sane one and you're the nutbag. Yeah. But it's all true. It is. And that's why this is the best trial ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, what we were talking about before all of this got off topic, I'm focused on Dumbledore. Tangents. Tangents. Is that Fudge is now bringing up all of Harry's flagrant misuse of magic outside of school. And it's just like, what about that hover charm from three years ago? Huh? Huh? Hover charm three years ago. Hover charm. Hover charm. Me, 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 me. And Harry, the interrupting cow, just goes, that wasn't even me. That was a house elf. (laughs) And Fudge tries to use this as another example of Harry's ridiculous stories. Like, house elf in a muggle house? What the fuck is this boy talking about? And Dumbledore's just like, actually. (laughs) Actually. Actually. I'm going to mansplain this to you. (laughs) To be fair, that house elf is currently in the employ of Hogwarts and we can summon him here in an instant so he can give his side of the story, which was, in fact, him conjuring that hover charm. Mm Mm-hmm. So Harry was innocent. Yep. And we can prove that. Want to do that? Yet again. Do you want to do that, huh? Do you, Fudgy? (laughs) Let's bring Dobby in. Let's bring him in. Let's do it. Come on. Let's do it. Humor me for shits and giggles. Come on. It'd be fun. Not in Fudge's mind. He's just like, I have no time or desire to listen to a house elf because, ew. I mean, you're the one that brought it up, but whatever. Sure. So then he changes the subject to Harry blowing up his aunt. Look at that. Like you said. And still calm. (laughs) Dumbledore's just like, and you very kindly did not press charges on that occasion, accepting that even the best wizards... Cannot always control their emotions. And you can't tell me he did not word it that way on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, look at you. You're not even the best wizard and you can't control your emotions. <laughs> Honestly, this is so well done that you actually start to feel like understanding of Fudge's frustration. Do you know what I mean? Like... Dumbledore is so calm and he's so on it and he's just batting a fucking thousand on this. You can almost like feel Fudge's anger as if it's your own. Yeah. Well, in a weird way. We know without a doubt that Fudge is being needled by Dumbledore. Yes. And he's falling for it. Hand over fist. I mean, it is just, he is just falling into every single little trap that Dumbledore places for him. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I do feel a little bad for him because that shit's embarrassing. Right? And he knows he's doing it too because as blustery as he is, he did become Minister of Magic. The man is not a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's inept. He's unable to do his own fucking job. 
But he got that job for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. He knows exactly what Dumbledore's doing, and he knows he's not capable enough to counter it. And instead, he just keeps falling for it. He's and just, he just lashing keeps out. Falling yeah. for it, and he it gets more and more emotional because sometimes even the best of wizards can't always control their emotions. Mm-hmm. And I will give him some credit here. He wisely chooses to ignore that comment. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't really meant for him, though. That was for the wizard mind. Yeah. For sure. Well, yeah. It's all for the jury. Like I said, he just ignores this statement and tries to get on Harry about all of the shit that he gets up to at school. Because we know from the previous four books that there's been, you know, one or two things. I would go as far as say Harry's a bit of a meddler. Meddler. That's a Maybe. good word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But Dumbledore, for the first time, loses a little bit of his calm. It's not really a loss because he remains very polite, but his tone takes on a more chilly affectation. Yeah. And he's just like, the ministry has no authority to punish Hogwarts students for misdemeanors at school. So his behavior there is irrelevant. And I already reminded you on the night of August 2nd that you cannot expel a Hogwarts student or confiscate their wand until the charges have been proven. Mm-hmm. And then adds on the cherry on top. I love the fact that this gives us an idea of what happened that night yeah. with Dumbledore. I love that. Yeah. So he's got this nice big heap of ice cream of the whole trial. Yep. He just put on a whole bunch of whipped cream, some sprinkles, <laughs> and he's about to drop the cherry on there. Yep. Saying, in your admirable haste to ensure the law is upheld, you seem to have inadvertently overlooked a few laws yourself. I say that's a cherry. That was kind of a bomb. Yeah. He just kind of... It was a cherry bomb. It was a cherry bomb. <laughs> <laughs> this is the point in the book that Fudge makes the comments that laws can be changed. Mm -hmm. And it makes so much more sense here because he's just like, you seem to have inadvertently overlooked a few laws. And Fudge is just like, laws can be changed. Look at that. Yeah. And it makes him even more sus. He's like, yes, you're right. I broke these laws, but I'm about to rewrite them. So it's okay that I do that in the yeah. future. Come on. But Dumbledore's just like, clearly you can make some changes because... Here we are holding a full criminal trial for a simple matter of underage magic. And now we get back to the teeniest bit of a ding, I guess. Mm -hmm, yeah. The comment was made. Eh. <laughs> I don't know. The comment was made. It was delivered differently. It was set up differently. It was yeah. just different. I don't like the way that they did it because of how it changed it from the original book. But... I did kind of like the delivery based on the setup that it was given, yeah. if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I do think that the movie came together sensibly. Mm -hmm. Like, I understood what was happening. I followed it just fine. I think it was well done, well shot. I just don't think it was well written when compared to the book. Yes, definitely. But I did kind of like the mic drop of Dumbledore just being like, clearly, clearly, since this is totally normal now. Well, and to be honest with you, I would say it was a mic drop in the book, too. Yeah. Because... It's a cherry drop in the book. It's a cherry bomb drop in the book. Mm -hmm. And it has its intended effect because quite a few members of the Wizengamot are just like, oh, yeah, this is weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he brings up a valid point. And Fudge is turning a deeper shade of puce. So now we're getting into like a deep burgundy magenta color puce is a disgusting word i know it just makes me think of puke it's actually not a bad color though it's just not a good word it's a terrible word anyway that poor man he probably really needs to check his blood pressure <laughs> and the toad like witch dolores jane umbridge madam undersecretary is just gazing at dumbledore Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what's going through her head. I'm willing to bet it's something along the lines of, come on, come on, Corny, tap me in. Right? Tap me in, <laughs> Fudge. Me Let's in. do I got this. this. I got this. <laughs> I don't think she gots this, though. No, she does not gots this. But she's just staring at him and Dumbledore's just like, as far as I'm aware, there's no law yet in place that says it's the court's job to punish Harry for every single bit of magic that he has ever performed. Mm -hmm. He's been charged with these specific charges you brought up at the beginning. We've presented the defense. And now it's time for you to make a decision. 
Yeah. Like, there's nothing left to be done here. If you're just going to keep throwing extra shit that has nothing to do with anything at us, it is time to just drop it and move on and focus on what happened and why. And here was our defense and make a fucking decision. Yeah. Instead of continuously throwing irrelevant bullshit around, when you're not even going to pay attention to the real facts that we have brought you and you've been like, well, we're not talking about that. Dude, come on. Yeah, it was just bleh. But he requests the verdict, mm-hmm. sits down in his chintz chair, and just puts his fingertips together and just serenely gazes up at Fudge, who mm-hmm. is not serenely gazing back. Yep. In this poker game, Dumbledore has gone all in and is just sitting back waiting for the cards to be revealed. Yeah. That's all it is. That is where we have reached. Yep. And Fudge, meanwhile, has like his watch, his car keys, everything in the pot because he can't <laughs> match Dumbledore. And- He's just praying and hoping that he's fucking bluffing. His lime green bowler hat. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this is all similar in the movie, but in less detail. I don't know about you, but I'm sensing a theme. Totally a theme. Totally. Totally. (laughs) It was similar to the book because after Dumbledore made the full trial comment... A lot of the members of the court just kind of shifted awkwardly in their seats. Yeah, that's a ding. Yeah, and they begin to mutter at this stone-cold call-out. And Dumbledore just holds his hands out as if to say, I rest my case, motherfuckers. It was very much like, what more can I say? Yeah. But he almost, in this scene, almost seemed defeated. It was, yeah. I didn't like how he did it. I can see what you're saying. He was a little bit like, that's all I got. So, yeah. You either love me or you hate me. I just didn't like the attitude that he was projecting during it. It didn't feel right. Yeah. I can see what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. But the witch who was handling the questioning of Mrs. Fig calls for a vote, asking who is in favor of conviction. This is actually something we've talked about before, but the films have that tendency to cut out Harry's inner monologue. It is hard to do. Right. In the books, we actually learn that Harry just looks at Dumbledore wanting reassurance because he's just like... Is this really the right time for them to make a decision? What else are we going to do, Harry? I mean, we see him kind of looking around nervously. Yeah. So there's that, but even without specifically giving us his inner monologue, it could have shown us some more facial expressions during the back and forth between Fudge and Dumbledore and like from when Umbridge speaks up. Yeah, but since they also seriously shortened that back and forth, I think it really limited the opportunities for that. So we just got bilked. Yeah, there's just no other way to put it. Because Daniel Radcliffe at this point is getting pretty good at his facial expressions. Mm -hmm. It's no longer just like scrunch face, hold scar. Like, yeah, he can show some real emotions on there. And I think we could have gotten a little bit more than just, yes, we saw his nerves. We got the yes, but we got the yes, buts, but we didn't really get his reaction to hearing Umbridge speak. It was more questioning, I guess. Yeah. And. We heard in the book that his hair on the back of his neck was standing up. Like, he did not like this woman immediately. We could have gotten a shiver at least or something. Yeah, (laughs) something. Something could have been included, but all of that was taken out. So it would have been nice to see movie Harry looking more shocked when they got to the point of Madame Bones asking who was in favor of conviction. Mm Mm-hmm. Because in the book, he was really just like, I thought this was going to last longer. I don't think I made a good impression. I didn't tell them anything about what happened. And, I mean, Mrs. Fig said some things, but I should have explained more fully about the Dementors and about how I fell over and how both Dudley and I almost got kissed. Like, it was mm-hmm. traumatizing. And if I had expressed that, maybe they believed me. And I like to think that's what's going on in his head. Yeah. And there was a lot they could have shown on his face just in that, like, a moment of panic mm-hmm. when they call for voting for a conviction. Yeah. It's decision time. Mm-hmm. And... Dumbledore will not look at him. No. Harry does not know why at this point. Mm-hmm. It's traumatizing as fuck for him for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. And basically, he's just so worried about everything that he can barely breathe. Mm-hmm. Poor Harry. And he just has to sit there. No reassurance. No comforting glance from right? Dumbledore. And just watch the Wizengamot decide his fate in whispers to one another. Yeah. No comforting glance from anybody. I mean, you still got Percy sitting right in front of him being a little chode bag, you know? Oh, Percy is diligently looking at his parchment and paying no attention to Harry in any way, shape, or form. Very pointedly paying no attention to Harry. You know it is. Oh, yeah. 
But anyway, the chattering stops and Madam Bone's voice booms out to ask who is in favor of clearing the accused of all charges, which is different from the movie since the movie started with asking who is in favor of conviction. Yes. Which I kind of liked better that they went who is in favor of conviction first because you see all the people against him. But the movie still made it a little bit like, is that enough? How many people are there? How many are really raising their hand that we just can't see? What's going on? You know? I don't know. I just liked it better. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I think for the sake of the movie, it probably built up a little bit more suspense. Yeah, it was a little bit more tension. But it was still different and I don't like it. <laughs> well, that's your right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the half a dozen hands go up. Fudge looks around and knows that he lost and just cleared of all charges. <laughs> Which is basically how it happened in the movie, too. Harry looks around again, smiling, while Fudge reluctantly announces that he has cleared of all charges and bangs his gavel, because that's what little men with gavels have to do. Oh, you know he was overcompensating with that oh, gavel. yeah, definitely. That's why it was the size of his arm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Harry is stoked. He's stoked. He's like, yes. And he goes to give Dumbledore a high five. But with a whoosh of his robes and a toss of his beard, that man fucks right back off from whence he came, leaving Harry behind looking like a sad puppy who just got left on the side of the highway. Aw, poor Harry. Poor Harry. But this is where both the book and movie section ends. Mm-hmm. On a very similar note, because Dumbledore stands and says, excellent, and then banishes his two chintz armchairs. Mm-hmm. And sleeps out, wishing everyone a good day and not even looking at Harry once. So kind of ding? Kind of ding. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine that book Harry looks like a sad puppy on the side of the highway as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. That boy has sad puppy all over his face. And since this was the same scene from last week, basically, we don't have any new actors to talk about. I mean, we could talk about Imelda Staunton as Dolores Umbridge, but you know what? That bitch has her time coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't even really know who that character is yet. No. Or why we hate her. Yeah. <laughs> and they would really like us to be able to focus more on that. So we want to save that for, you know, the right moment. Yeah. Her days are coming. <laughs> it is a coming. For sure. But that will just bring us to our Potter Pondering this week, which is, what did you miss from Harry's trial scene in the movie? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our sorting hat story, which is from Kylie Kamioka. She writes, my house is Ravenclaw. My Patronus is an eagle, which is very fitting. My wand is black walnut with a unicorn hair core, 10 and 3 quarter inches, unyielding flexibility. A friend introduced me to Harry Potter in the third grade. I had a strange obsession with large books. We probably had some kind of bet slash dare going on on who could read the biggest book. I tried starting with number four and didn't finish since I had no idea what was going on. After going back and rereading number one, my mom bought me all of them up to number five at the time. My grandma found number six in large print, I'm visually impaired, and my mom got me number seven on opening night. I don't think I really understood how great these books were the first time I read them. It wasn't until quarantine when I went back through them that I really got into it again. I found this podcast through the Half-Blood Princesses podcast. I remember thinking you guys do great audio descriptions for the movies. Then I went back and watched all the movies with audio description and was thoroughly amazed at how much I had been missing. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Kylie. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media, or just post it on our Sorting Hat Saturday post. This week's trivia question is, where does Mr. Weasley have to go for the regurgitating toilet? 
The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag shit show will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 9, The Woes of Mrs. Weasley, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling.